0: and welcome back to another episode of The Conscious Love Show. Before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that the Inspired Love Program is now open for enrollment. If you've wanted to work with me in 2023, this is your opportunity and you can apply now by going to inspiredloveprogram.com. When you go to that page, you'll have the opportunity to look over some information about the program. You can send in your application if you're ready to apply. And once your application is approved, you'll be able to book a discovery call with our team to find out if this program is the right thing for you. I'm very excited about what we're going to be doing in the program this year, and I want you to be there. So if you feel like this is the thing for you, go apply now, and we cannot wait to meet you on your discovery call. Okay, and welcome everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Conscious Love Show. Very excited to be back with you. I have my people joining me live on Instagram as as usual. And then uh, those of you listening on the podcast, hello to you. And thanks for being with me today. Um, exciting episode today. I'm really, I know I say this every week, I'm excited for today's episode, but I, I always am. It's the truth. Uh, but in particular, today is especially exciting because as I was just saying, um, today we are doing a four day countdown to book your call for inspired love. So this will be, this will be the last podcast while we're still promoting inspired love. And then, um, And then after that, you know, next week's podcast, it'll be done. So I just, you know, want to do a shout out right now as we're getting started. I'm excited about that. Um, I'm doing a workshop tonight or excuse me, tomorrow night as well. So I was just talking uh, to people about it on Instagram. But tomorrow night, I'm doing a workshop um, on the three secrets to attracting authentic love. And uh, going to be covering a lot of really awesome stuff in there. Uh, it's for all ages. It's for you know men, women, those who identify otherwise. The workshops open for everyone. So. Um so yeah, just want to invite everybody to join me for the workshop, invite everybody to go book your calls for inspired love. And, uh, and yeah, this is, this is the last podcast episode. And then we're going to be moving into the program by next week. So, uh, that being said, I'm excited about today's episode. And I thought in honor of really gearing up for inspired love, I wanted to talk about the holy relationship today. Uh, those of you who follow me on Instagram, you might have seen my stories. I was, I was, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I was, I was talking about the holy relationship in my stories yesterday and uh, just really kind of talking about what it is and, and what it is not and those kind of things. And so I thought uh, a great topic for today would be to really dive into the idea of the holy relationship and what it is. And just a, a spoiler alert for everybody, it's not the relationship you learned about in Sunday school, okay? It's a little bit different what we're going to be talking about here. I know sometimes when I use that word holy, people go, is this a, is this a you know religious thing? It's, it's not like that, but actually the the term the Holy Relationship. And I'll share this for everyone who's listening with me. The term, the Holy Relationship, comes from a, uh, a teaching called A Course in Miracles, something I've been studying for many years. Um, I've been, I mean, Course in Miracles, I probably started studying it over a decade ago. It's been a big life foundation teaching for me. Um, those of you who follow my work and you've heard me talk about the ego and a lot of what I share about the ego comes from A Course in Miracles. And so um the holy relationship is also in a course of miracles. I was at the gym this morning and I was listening to some Jimi Hendrix. Uh I haven't listened to Jimi in, in a long time but I was listening to him this morning. And the song Castles Made of Sand came on. I don't know if anyone knows that song, the Castles Made of Sand by Jimi Hendrix. But he basically in the song he he says that castles made of sand fall into the sea eventually. Right? So and and the purpose of the song it, it's basically like a you know, if your foundation is not set on stone, whatever, whatever is not real will eventually fall apart. And I thought as I was, I was working out and this song came on this morning and I was listening to it, and I was like, you know, this is really, this is really what the holy relationship is about. Because every, well, I'll say this in, in A Course in Miracles, it, it says something to the effect of, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it says something to the effect of, um, when you can love one person fully and completely without ego that in, in that sense that the, the purity of the love that you experience with that person actually extends to everyone and everything in the universe. It's like the, and, and so the holy relationship is really an opportunity to, to cut through everything within us that is not love. And, something I believe is that relationships are not just about being happy or relationships are not just about feeling good or having lots of sex or, you know, having a super hot person that I'm obsessed with all the time. You know, relationships aren't really about that. That's how the ego uses relationships. And we'll talk about that today. We'll talk about how the ego uses relationships and how that is different from what the holy relationship is. But the, uh, relationships, as I understand them and as I coach them and as I teach them, it's not just about making ourselves happier or getting everything we want. But what it's really about, it's about an evolutionary process. It's about an evolution of our soul. And relationships are great teachers. They're great teachers in the evolution of our soul, in becoming the greatest person that we can be, in cutting through everything that is within us that is not love and really cutting away all those inauthenticities, cutting away all those manipulations and all those sabotages and all those, all those kinds of things, and really you know, getting to the purity of the love that's in our soul and, and what we are. And so relationships are a space to really grow into that. And the holy relationship, what we're going to talk about today, is the ultimate manifestation of that. So if you could imagine a union between two people, where there is no ego involved, where everything that these two people embody, the ego has been removed from it. All of the inauthenticities have been cut away. All of the, as I was saying, the manipulations, the control structures, the power dynamics, the games, the survival tactics, the, you know, all the stuff that shows up in relationships through the ego. When all of that is cut away, the holy relationship is what's left. And so, the the Course, Course in Miracles says that when if you were to love one person completely and fully and totally, without ego, without personal strategies getting involved with it, without manipulations or things, but if, if it was just pure love shared in a relationship between two people, that love would then extend to everyone and everything in the world. And it it becomes a a way of evolving yourself. But so what I want to start with here is let's talk about how the ego uses relationships because it's always it's always important to see a contrast. You know, I, I could talk about one side of it, but if you don't really see, if you don't really see the good stuff contrasted with the bad stuff, and I'm using the words good and bad really loosely here, but you know, if, if you don't really see the positive contrasted with the negative, you don't really understand the value of the positive. And so I wanna just start this conversation by talking about what I call the ego entanglement. Or in A Course in Miracles, they call it the special relationship. And it's it's not special in the way a lot of us think about special. You know, we, we tend to think about special as being a good thing or being a really positive thing. But the way the Course talks about it is it talks about the, that the special relationship is a relationship used by the ego for its own need to make itself special. And the ego's desire to be special is really its desire to be better, its desire to have more, its desire to improve its own status distinct from others, right? So coming from love, and if we were to contrast love with how the ego operates, coming from love, there's no desire for me to be better than anyone else there's no desire for me to have more than anyone else. There's no desire for me to be superior in any way or to be right in any way or to me to hold some kind of judgment over you or, you know, anything like that. That's all ego. Love is just like, Hey, I want for you the same things I want for myself. I want to be happy and I want you to be happy. I want to feel secure and and fulfilled and excited and inspired about my life. And I want the same things for you. And I want to have abundance. And I want to have love. And, I, you know, I want to have my life to be full of all the good things. But I want the same thing for you. And the ego wants to take these things and keep them for itself. And by doing that, you, know, you see, that what the ego does is it's like, if I'm in a relationship and I look out there and I see other people who aren't, and I get this feeling of like, Oh, look at me. I'm in a relationship and I'm loved and, and I have lots of sex and I have lots of attention and I get lots of validation. And, and all of this, it's like, it's like using all of this stuff to boost myself up above other people and relationships in the hands of the ego become tools to be manipulated for specialness. I'm going to say that again relationships in the hands of the ego become tools to be manipulated for specialness. So I'm gonna bring this person into my life and I might say I love them and I might dress it up with all this nice stuff and we might post beautiful pictures on Instagram of us doing all this stuff together and it looks all amazing. But if what's going on underneath all of that is I'm using this person and I'm using this relationship to boost my identity, Then the relationship is not really clean. We could say if, if we're using the language from the Course, the relationship is not holy. There's a, there's a dirtiness about it and not, not, not the exciting kind of dirty. (laughs) It's not that kind of dirty. It's the, there's a, like I said, it's not clean. It's not clear. It's not pure. And at the heart of it, at the essence of it, it's not loving. There's, there's no, there's no real love there. And so, what ends up happening in this sense is we show up to relationships and it's, it's usually not one-sided. I mean, it's, it's actually, I'll say it's never one-sided, right? It's not like, oh, this person over here is showing up holy and, and, and this person over here is showing up manipulative and, and then, you know, it, it, no, it's, it happens on both sides. And so, what, what happens is two people show up with this desire to use the relationship to boost themselves, right? I want you to love me. I want you to care for me. I want you to, I want you to take care of me. I want you to want me. I want you to find me attractive. I want you to tell all your friends how great I am. And now again, these are things we all want to some degree. And I'm not even saying these things are bad, but it's, it's, it's not bad to have these things. But what makes it manipulative or twisted, is the way we go about them. And so two people show up to a relationship thinking about it, not what I have to offer this relationship, what I have to give this relationship, not showing up in my value, in in all the things that are incredible about me and my willingness to share that and express that and give that and having this relationship be a space for my gifts to be expressed and received. But I show up with what I want from this relationship with what I want you to give me, with what I want you to provide for me. And two people show up to a relationship that way together. And then what happens is, in the beginning, it's usually amazing. And this is a lot of you uh, have maybe experienced like, You get involved with someone new and it's amazing. It's like it blows your mind. It's like, oh, and, you know, it's like I've never felt like this before. And, oh, I think you're the one. And I just want to keep this going for the rest of my life. And I can't imagine what we would ever fight about. And, you know, you talk about all these things and and you have all these incredible feelings. And and you think you found something really special. And you feel really special having found this thing. But then I think a lot of you will relate to this as well, is as the days go on and as the weeks go on, it doesn't feel so special anymore. It starts to feel, well, let's just say things start to happen. You start to fight. You start to have insecurities. You start to doubt, do they really feel about me the way I thought they did? Do they... Do they really, you know, is this a game to them? Are they seeing other people? Do, what do I not know? Are they still on the dating apps? We start trying to get on the dating apps and see if we can find their profile or if they're still on there, right? And we just, we do, it it changes. The relationship changes. And the reason it changes, and I want everyone to hear this, the reason it changes is because both people were taking from the relationship without really giving anything to it. Both people were taking from the relationship without really giving anything to it. And so little by little, we just take this and we take that and we take this and we take that. And little by little, it starts to wear away at the relationship. And as a few months go by, two months, three months, and and so on, the relationship starts to feel differently. And it starts to be full of fear. And the reason it's full of fear is because the ego is using it for its own means. And the ego is full of fear. The ego is fear-based. And so the ego is going to project into the relationship that which it is made of. And the more afraid you become, the more you're going to try to get more from the relationship. So I feel them pulling back. I'm going to push more. I'm going to want more. I'm going to try to get more. The more I feel this person pull away, the more I want to get from them. The stronger the fear becomes, the more I have to act out in this way or that way. And then we start to do crazy things. We start to say, I'm not going to text them all day today. And I'm just going to wait for them to text. And we start to try to find out where they are and what they're doing and who they're talking to. we, We start to do all this stuff. But you've got to understand, none of that is loving. And, and this is the part that I really, really want everybody to hear is that the love that you're seeking cannot be found that way. The love that you're seeking cannot be found that way. That's why I talked about uh, having that song come on this morning, The Castles Made of Sand. And it's the, the, the ego entanglement is what we call it in the this Inspired Love program. And of course, in Miracles calls it the special relationship, but, but this kind of relationship, the relationship in a relationship in the hands of the ego is a relationship made of sand. And as the song says, it will eventually fall into the sea because it's not made of anything real. And so as I was saying, we, we start to take and I take and you take and I take and you take and, and then I start going, I'm not getting what I want and this relationship isn't meeting my needs and I thought this person would be this way and I thought they'd be that way but they're not that way at all and I just can't believe what I'm seeing and they're not who I thought they were Oh, and we start to go crazy about it. And little by little, sometimes a lot by a lot, but the relationship begins to be deprived of everything it had to offer to begin with. Because we take and take and take and take from the relationship until there's nothing left. Now, I I see a comment here. It says, I feel I loved him genuinely and he changed. And I'm going to say that that is exactly what the ego would say in a special relationship. Or in, as I call it, in the Inspired Love Program, in an ego entanglement. I showed up perfect. All I did was love. All I did was give. All I did was try, and they're the ones who had the problem. And the reason that is, and and you know, first of all, the ego doesn't want to look at itself. But let's talk about what the ego is, because this this will make a lot more sense when you understand what the ego is. The ego is you without love, if we just put it that way. It's the the loveless aspects of yourself. It's the fear-based aspects of yourself. So, and those of you who have been with me for a while or you've listened to my podcast, like I've talked a lot about this and I'm not going to be able to go into all of it today. But, you know, early on in childhood, we start to experience fear. And we could even say when the umbilical cord is cut, when you're forced out of the womb, when, you know, I mean, we, we enter into this world screaming in pain, right? And, and it's a cold environment and, and our mother is screaming and it's loud and it's chaotic. So we go from this like safe, wholesome, nurtured environment. And then we're forced into this chaotic, cold, crazy world. And that's the first moment we experience fear. And then it just takes off from there. And we're left alone in the crib to cry ourselves to sleep. And we're, you know, we're, I mean, you fill in the blanks with all your experiences. But as we go through life, we experience fear. And the ego is the identity that gets created around fear. So the ego—I I, want to say this—the ego is not a bad thing; it's just a dysfunctional thing. It's a—it's a survival mechanism that was born in early childhood, and and it's basically terrified of everything. It's—it's it's terrified. I'm not going to get what I want. It's terrified. I'm going to lose what I have. It's—you it, know—it's like those of you who feel a sense of anxiety. That is the ego. The ego creates your anxiety. And, and the ego basically feels that you're not enough, feels that you're not worthy, that you're not lovable, that you're, I mean, all that stuff, right? That That's all part of the ego. And what, what the ego does is it's basically this identity that you've created around everything you believe is wrong with you, everything you believe is unworthy about you, everything that you believe is, you know... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Like fragile about you, like everything that could be broken, your need to try to hold it all together and like, and, and like, what if this happens? What if that happens? And all of that, like that is all the ego. And it's the way you see yourself through the lens of fear. If that makes sense. It's, it's how you see yourself through the lens of fear. And it's how you see life and relationships and everything else through the lens of fear. And we live in a world where 99% of people are completely dominated by the ego, I promise you, almost all of you, there may be some few exceptions, but you know, almost everybody who's gonna hear this, your parents were completely dominated by their ego. The kids at school were completely dominated by the ego. The teachers were dominated by the ego. Everybody that you've known in your whole life, with maybe a couple of exceptions, have been dominated by their ego. So of course, as you grow into adulthood, you would also be dominated by your ego. So if you can understand what the ego is as this this fear-based identity, this identity made up around everything that you think is wrong with you, everything that you think is unworthy about you, everything that you're afraid is going to happen or won't happen in all of this, if the ego is your identity based in all of this, then you've got to think about how does that translate to relationships, I'm unlovable, I'm unworthy, nobody wants me, I can't hold on to things, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop, things are gonna fall apart. The, the moment I think I have it all together, it's gonna come crashing down, right? Like th- these are, this is the story that the ego sells us. And so what the ego tells you, and, and again, I'm talking about this survival aspect of yourself, this survival mechanism of yourself, right? What the ego tells you, is go find this special relationship. Go find this person who will love you. Go find this person who will care for you. Go find this person who will think you're the most amazing thing in the world and worship the ground you walk on and and kiss your feet every night. Go find this person. And once you find that person, it's going to solve all of this. This is what the ego tells you. This is the ego's answer to your suffering and your fear. Uh, the Course the of course, uh, course Miracles, I've, I've spoken about a little bit today. A uh, Course of Miracles says this. It says the special relationship, or as I call it, the ego entanglement, is, is the ego's most boasted gift. And basically, this is, this is true for all of us. This is true for all of us. The ego says, go find this special relationship. And everything will be okay. And you'll never feel unworthy again. You'll never be afraid again. You'll never be lonely again. And like, I want everybody to hear this. That's just a fucking lie. Like, I've been married for going on seven years now. I've been afraid. I've been lonely. I have felt unworthy. I mean, like, the gamut of emotions, I've felt them all. And and like, I want to say... I have a very, very amazing relationship with my wife. Like it, it is as good as it can be and getting better all the time. And it hasn't prevented me from feeling a single one of those things. It's just a straight up lie. But this is what our egos tell us. And so when you, when you show up to a relationship and and that relationship is in the hands of the ego, you're going to be viewing it in a way from, what can I get from this? How can this relationship make me feel better about myself? How can this relationship validate me? How can this relationship make me feel loved? Because, like, I I know I've probably said this a bunch of times already, but I just really want to land this point, is the reason it, it views relationships that way is because it's starting with the fact that you're not enough. It's starting with the fact that you're deprived. I call it a fact. It's not a fact. It's starting with the idea that you're deprived. It's starting with the idea that you're not enough. It's starting with the idea that there's something wrong that needs to be fixed. It's starting with the idea that there is something not whole about you that needs to be completed. And so when you translate that into relationships, it couldn't be any other way. And, you know, like narcissism is such a huge conversation now. Well, all narcissism is, is the extreme of this. That's it. Narcissism is just the extreme of what I'm talking about right now. And and so this is something that is within all of us that we've all experienced in all our relationships. Like, I want to say this. Every relationship I've had throughout my life has been a special relationship, has been an ego entanglement. And my relationship with my wife has had elements of that from the very beginning. And we are two people who are consciously working together to make our relationship holy. So this is something that exists in all of us. I'm not I'm not saying that only the narcissists have it, but the, the thing about narcissism is they just really don't have access to anything else. At least not in the moment that they're showing up as a narcissist. And I, I do believe that could change as well. But so narcissism is just simply the extreme of this. It's just it's just somebody who has nothing else. They can only view the relationship from what they want to get from it. And and they can't even they can't even get outside of that. But if we're honest, if we're honest and we're and we have the courage to look, a lot of us can say that we've used relationships the same way. In fact, I often notice that the same people who are out there accusing the person they're dating of being a narcissist is showing up to that relationship with a lot of narcissistic qualities. And that's only happening because they're in their ego, they're in their fear, they're in their unworthiness, they're in their survival, and they're trying to cling to this relationship as a way to complete something that they feel is incomplete within themselves. So. Now I said earlier, but I just want to say it again. We all have this. Okay. I have this. You have this. I'm not, I'm not sitting here as somebody who is complete. You know, I'm, I'm a work in progress as is, as is everyone else. I mean, I am complete, but I'm still in the process of recognizing my completeness. Let's put it that way. Right. I'm complete. You're complete. We're all complete, but we're in the process of coming to recognize our completeness and what we all are made of is a spiritual essence a spiritual essence that existed before we were born that will exist after we die that enlivens and you know animates this body that you know it's it's the it's the it's the most authentic thing of, of what we are it's it's what we come from it's what we're made of so we're made of this spiritual essence contrasted with this egoic identity, okay? So there's pure love and light that I'm made of that existed before I was born that will exist after I die. It's it's the only thing that's really real about me. It's the only thing that remains. It's pure love and light and joy and goodness. And then that's contrasted with our egoic identity, which is the identity that's been made throughout life in this world, Okay, it's the identity that has been made throughout our life in this world. And it overshadows our spiritual identity. It overshadows the spiritual essence that's that's at the foundation of what we are. And most of us, as I said earlier, the whole world we grew up in, our parents, our teachers, our friends, all, like the, the whole world is is so strongly ego identified. That when we're children and we're growing up in this world, we're getting fed, like our, our ego identity is being fed. It's being, it's being grown, it's being raised, right? And and it's being reinforced constantly. And our parents are telling us, you know, like I I remember my mom like just sharing her fears with me. Like, be really careful when you're in a public restroom because somebody's going to grab you and kidnap you. Like, this this is what my mom told me when I'm a little kid. I didn't know any better. I'm like, oh my God, someone's going to grab me and kidnap me. And it wasn't her fault. She was just trying to be a good mom. But her ego raised my ego. And by the time we reach adulthood, we all become very strongly ego-identified. And we've blocked out the authentic or spiritual aspects of ourselves. And so becoming conscious and having a conscious relationship is about undoing the development of this ego. It's about getting back to a place of wholeness, getting back to a place of completeness. And the holy relationship Is a relationship reflective of wholeness? Okay, so I've talked a lot about what the special relationship or the ego entanglement is. I want to talk about what the holy relationship is. The holy relationship is a relationship based in wholeness. Okay, so I'm not here to take anything from you because I'm good. I don't don't really need anything. I'm not sitting around waiting to be loved. I'm not sitting around desperate for validation. I'm not sitting around, you know, feeling so insecure and so afraid that everything's going to fall apart and just looking for some piece of security to hold on to to make me feel like everything's okay. And because I'm not coming from all of that, I don't need to project that onto you. You see, most of us are coming from all of that. And then when we get involved with someone, we project all of that onto them. And now all of a sudden, it's their responsibility to do that. I mean, that's a lot to put on someone you barely know, if you think about it. I, like seriously, like that's a lot of pressure to put on someone that you barely know. Someone that might disappear a week from now or, or, or a month from now. You know, it's, it's a lot to put on someone. And so in the holy relationship, I've done whatever work I need to do to to feel whole, to recognize my wholeness, to feel complete within myself. I'm not looking to you to fill that for me. And so relationship becomes a space to give. Relationship becomes a space to love, right? It's not about... I need you to meet my needs. I need you to validate me. I need you to take care of me. I need you to love me. I need you to make me feel safe. It's not about that. It's about I'm here to love and to share and to give and to express, you know, to tell you about my day, to hear about your day, to, to, to be kind to each other. To support each other in, in, in like a healthy way, right? But but not not because you need me to support you or I need you to support me, but just because it's nice. Just because we want to. Just because it feels good for me to be there for you. It's not like, oh, I was there for you three times and you've only been there for me once. What's up, right? That's how the ego uses relationships. All the keeping score, all the, I text you all day every day and you never respond, right? That's all ego stuff. That's all you trying to be the person that you think you need to be to get what you want rather than being the person that you want to be because it's coming from your heart and there's no agenda behind it. And I want to say this. You can't fake this. See, some of you think Some of you think you can fake your way into this and you think that, oh, well, I'm just going to be the perfect person. I'm going to do everything right. I'm going to say everything right. I'm going to be so kind and so generous and so loving and so available. And I'll make dinner and I'll do this and I'll do that. And I'll just, I'll show them how amazing I am in every way that how could they not fall in love with me? And, and I want you to, I want everybody to hear this. If you did that simply because that was the most authentic thing for you to do, because you couldn't do anything else, because there was no agenda behind it, there's a high, high likelihood that that person would fall in love with you. But if you were doing the exact same things, saying the exact same words, showing up in the exact same way, with a secret agenda, that I'm going to do all of this and it's going to make them love me. It will be impossible for that person to fall in love with you. Because on an unconscious level, they will feel what you're doing. And the relationship will not feel safe for them. You see, on an unconscious level, they will know that the moment they stop being everything you want them to be, that they're going to get a whole different side of you. And they're not going to feel safe to commit to a relationship on those terms. They're not going to feel like I I could spend my life with this person when those are the terms that they would be committing to. And so... Well, let me, I want to speak a little bit about my relationship with my wife and how that unfolded and, you know, to what degree specialness was involved in it and to what degree it was holy. And, you know, cause I mean, I want to say this is that none of us, none of us are going to go out and find a holy relationship off the bat because that's just not the way it works. At least not in this time and place in in human history. Maybe maybe in the future when consciousness has evolved a little bit, that'll be the way it works. But right now, where we are is we we need to do a certain degree of growth on our own as a single person, as a dating person, as somebody who's going in and out of relationship. I did a podcast episode. I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but I, I talked about the journey to love, the 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 actual like the the evolutionary process of creating a conscious relationship. And that that episode would actually shed a lot of light on what I'm talking about here. But there's a certain degree of evolution that we need to go through as a single person, as a dating person, as somebody who's going in and out of relationship. And that is really about letting go of this need for specialness letting go of this need to be special to someone else, letting go of this need to feel secure because somebody else wants me or because somebody else finds me attractive. So there's a, there's a process of growing into really standing on our own two feet, really standing in our own power. And like I wanna say, if you're going through the loss of a relationship, right now, if you're going through a heartbreak, if you're going through a disappointment, if you're going through some kind of letdown, you thought a relationship was going somewhere, turns out it's not going in that direction. You're coming to terms with some difficult things right now. Like if you're in any of those positions, well, this is, this is your work. And so if you're in the experience of heartbreak right now, or you're in the experience of letdown or disappointment or fear of losing something, the work for you right now is not to cling to that relationship and and try to get back what you thought you had or to bargain and say, what do I have to do to, to be back together? Like Your work is not to lean into the relationship and try to get more of that, what is basically an addiction your work is to surrender into who you would be with the loss of what you thought you had. Your work is to strengthen the the self that you are without that relationship. And in strengthening that self, you let go of some of this need for specialness. You see, when somebody leaves you, when somebody leaves you and they're, they're just not doing this anymore, I'm done, goodbye, and they leave you with that heartbreak, your first inclination is to reach for that person because you think, oh my God, I felt so much better when they were here. Now they're gone. If I could just have them back, I will feel better again. But that's actually the wrong direction to go. And believe me, I learned this the hard way when I was freaking on my knees, crying and begging somebody to be with me. And the more I cried and begged her to be with me, the more she was not interested in being with me at all. And then the moment I turned around and said, I have no need for you. I'm not interested in you. I'm good without you. All of a sudden she wants to be with me again. I learned that lesson really sunk in when I had that experience. But regardless of that, the the lesson for you, is to learn to stand on your own two feet. To learn to recognize that you don't need that person. And I don't care who that person is. I don't care if you were married to them for 20 years. I don't care if you were dating them for two weeks. You don't need that person. In fact, the only possibility how you could ever have a successful relationship with that person would be to first recognize that you don't need them and then approach the relationship from that place and see and see what could be possible when you approach it from that new perspective. So the journey to love, or the, the journey as a single person, as a dating person, as somebody who's going in and out of relationships, is to strengthen this ability to stand on your own two feet. It's to experience a relationship with someone Feel the love, feel the juiciness, feel the intimacy, feel all of that, and then let it go and be okay without it. And then maybe you experience it with someone else and you can feel it and you can enjoy it and you can thrive in it and you can, oh, it feels so good and I feel so alive and I feel so passionate and I feel like I could conquer the world and then to let it go and to, and to recognize that you can be okay without that you see that is the work in that phase of the journey and then if you do the work in that phase of the journey and that's a big if because some people are going through these experiences over and over again but they're just doing the same thing they just keep clinging they just keep begging They just keep the desperation going. They just keep the identity that they're not enough and that they need someone else. They just keep with every breakup, with every loss, with every disappointment, they just strengthen the identity that they're not enough rather than letting go of the identity. Rather than recognizing I am enough, I am okay. They strengthen it. So someone breaks up with me and I go, oh my God, I'll never be happy again. And who am I without this person? And then I just strengthen that identity. Rather than going, you know what, this hurts. And I feel this and I can... I can call my coach or my therapist and I can reach out to my friends and I can, you know, reach out to my family and I can, you know, I can love up on myself and I can go get a massage and I can go for a walk on the beach. I can just really nurture myself through this experience and come into the recognition of the wholeness that I'm okay. But rather than doing that, I just cling to the desperation and strengthen that identity. But if, and like I said, it's a big if, but if you are going through these experiences consciously, what's gonna be happening is rather than strengthening your egoic identity, you will be strengthening your spiritual identity. The part of you that is an eternal being, that you're just, you're just, trying, this, you're just trying this body on like it's a new hat. You're just trying it out for a while. Later on, you'll try something else. And the more you can become connected to that aspect of yourself, the more you don't need anything in the world to validate you. And so, again, as a single person, as a dating person, as a person who's going in and out of relationships, your job is to learn this lesson. Your job is to diminish the ego identity and to strengthen the spiritual identity. And then at a certain stage in that evolution, at a certain stage in that evolution, the next lesson is not going to be to go in and out of relationships anymore. But the next lesson is going to be to be in a strongly, deeply committed relationship once the degree of specialness that you're seeking has been diminished to a certain degree, you're ready to actually join with someone in a holy union. And then together, you walk towards holiness. So this is what I want to say about my relationship with my wife and how it's different from every relationship in the past. And I do mean every single one before my wife. In relationships to the past, in my relationships of the past, I I was always clinging to that person. There There was an unwillingness to let that person go and even even if I would let them go there, there was a belief that I needed something from them so even if I did eventually let them go there were, there was a belief that I needed something from them and and I can honestly say that in my relationship with my wife that belief has not been there from the beginning and I remember I shared this recently on a podcast is you know in the first year of our relationship, My wife tried to break up with me a bunch of times, and it's because she was afraid and she was, you know, going through her own process and, and, you know, she was, she was going through her own stuff, but she tried to break up with me a bunch of times. And when she would do that, and, and again, I had my feelings about it, I had my attachments. So I'm not saying there was no ego at all because those feelings, those attachments, they were definitely there to a degree. But I was able to say to her, if that's what you want, then I want that for you. And go. But but I'm going to let you know if you choose to stay, I'm going to be here. And I was never able to do that prior to this relationship. It was, please don't go. Unless I was the one doing the breaking up, of course, but that's a different story. Right? But it was, please don't go. And... That that was the shift I noticed in myself and how I knew I was ready for the real deal. Because if at any point in our relationship, and this is not my desire, this is not my wish, this is not what I pray for, I mean... All my prayers are like, I hope we have a very long, happy life together. I hope we get to have our family. I hope we get to have our dream home. I I hope we get to share this dream that we're creating. Like that is my wish and that is my prayer. But I'm also very present to, if at any point in our journey, life calls us into walking this journey alone, if one of us were to pass away or if, if if one of us were to, if something were to change drastically, if you know, if, if something were like, you know, whatever might happen that might lead to that, I know in my heart that I am willing to do that and that I will, yes, hurt, yes, experience sadness, experience fear, I'm sure it's, you know, I'll experience all the emotions, But there is a reliance that I've developed on something deeper inside myself. And I know I will be okay. And because because I feel such a strong, deep connection to that within myself, I think there's a very strong likelihood that we will have a lifelong relationship. because it's not based in specialness. It's based in holiness. And so what our relationship has been doing in the years we've been together, and there has been a lot of ego on both sides. You know, there there have been times, especially early on, I, I think we got past a lot of that in the first few years, but early on there was a lot of you're not the person I want you to be. I want you to be like this, and I'm not getting my needs met, and I need more of this and more of that, and all this, all this stuff, you know. And that was that was definitely there early on. And that I think it's it's become a lot less over time for sure. But what our relationship has been doing in our years together is it's been basically cutting out the things within us that are not love. And it's been leading us more and more towards love, towards acceptance. You know, there used to be, there used to be for me, like the need for things to be different. You know, we need to work on this. We need to work on that. Like our our relationship was like a project we needed to work on. (laughs) That's not really there anymore. Just our relationship just is, you know, there used to be. In, in me, like a lot of frustrations in the way she would show up or the way she would say things or the way she would do things or why can't you just do it like this? Why can't you just do it like that? I mean, that's not really there anymore. I, I might get annoyed sometimes, but you know, for the most part, it's like she is, who, she is who she is. And I don't need her to change. I don't need her to be any different. And those those were all, that was all my ego stuff that this relationship has called me into letting go of And that also I have been in a place myself where I have been willing to let go of it. And I think this is the thing is, I was saying earlier that there's a certain amount of work you do yourself as a single person, as a dating person and so on. And then there's a certain amount of work that you do in a relationship. And I truly believe this. It's not like a predestined thing that, okay, you have seven years of being single and dating and then, you know, then you're done. Like, it, no, it's not like that. It's really about your own readiness. And I do believe a lot of the relationships that we find ourselves in that don't work out could have worked out if we had been in a place where we were ready to do the work that the relationship was calling us into. Does that make sense? If what what I just said makes sense, just tap that hard a few times. So it's if if I am in a place where I'm ready to do the work that this relationship is calling me into, then, then I can actually have relationships work out where they might not otherwise work. And so the journey is really about your own willingness, like how deep are you willing to go? How much are you going to cling to the need for specialness, the need to have this person be something for you? Or how much are you going to let that go and start being connected to what you can be for them? And not as a manipulation to get something, right? I'm going to be everything for you, so you'll be everything for me. I'm going to be everything because it's who I am, because it's what I'm made of, because it's how I show up. Because I couldn't be here any other way. I am love, and so love is what I'm going to express here. And I know the question that always comes up about this is, You know, people always say, so Shane, what are you saying? I should just give and give and give and let someone take and take and take. Well, first of all, if you're coming from love, then what's going to be reflected back to you most likely is love, right? If, if you've, if you've cut out most of that specialness, most of that, you know, need to use the relationship for your own benefit, if you've cut out most of that, then you're not going to be attracting people who are bringing that. First of all, Second of all, in the chance that you do happen to have someone like that come into your life, there would be maybe, you know, for a certain period of time, I would give and I would give and I would give, but I would just start to feel that, you know what, I I don't really feel loved and appreciated and honored here. But it's not, it's not the, it's not the way it used to be. It's not like you're not loving and appreciating and honoring me. So you need to change and you need to be better. And I need this and this. It's, it's not like that. It's like, I'm not really feeling loved and supported and honored here. And I'm just going to start letting go. And I'm just going to let this relationship fall out of my life. And yeah, I might have some difficult conversations. Like I'm not I'm not saying you never have difficult conversations. I'm not saying that you never approach relational issues or anything like that. Like yeah, you do all of that. But you do it from a different place. And underneath it underneath it and I, I think this is what makes the difference really. It's it's similar to what I said earlier about when I was willing to let my wife go. When she wanted to break up with me and I said if that's what's going to make you happy then I want that for you right? It's, it's what's underneath it. And what's underneath it is either, look, I'm here. I'm willing to do the work. I'm willing to learn and grow together. But if this isn't the right fit, I'm willing to let this fall out of my life too. Versus, I'm willing to do the work. I'm willing to love and heal and grow together, but I need you to stay. I think that's really the, the fundamental difference. Because holiness, which equates to wholeness, if I'm I'm coming with holiness and wholeness, I don't need you to stay. I really don't. I might want you to stay. It might make me really, really happy if you stayed. I might be able to imagine an incredible life that we could have together if you did stay. But I don't need you to. And that makes all the difference in the world. And I want everyone to hear this. Like, If you're showing up with that, that is felt by the other person. And it calls a whole new level forward from them. And if you're showing up with, I need you to stay, that is also felt by that person. And it doesn't call forth any greatness from them it allows them to stay in their manipulative whatever they got going on. All right, so I think I've done a pretty good job of breaking that down. I wanna open up for some questions now. So um, I am gonna do that in, uh, in just a moment. I, uh, I've seen a lot of questions coming in, so I'm gonna to try to go back and uh, and look into those questions. So, first question I want to take is from Ak Chuhan, hope I'm saying your name right. Question is, how do you know when to let go? By the way, like I said, I have about 30 minutes for questions, so go ahead, drop them in the comments. I'll get to as many as I can. How do you know when to let go? You know, I... This is what I want to say about this, is letting go is more of a way of being than an action. And if you could think about it like this, like what if you just always let go? What if you just always let go and you let the relationship tell you what the proper actions are? So I know what you're saying. You're saying when is the right time to leave, right? And leaving is an action. But I think there's an energy of letting go. Which, I mean, we could apply this to relationships. We could apply this to money. We, it's, it's one of the foundations of abundance is this not clinging, right? Not holding on. It's like, I remember um, one of my coaches many years ago, this was very early on in my journey, but I had this guy who was, uh, he was coaching me for a few months. And I remember I was just so stressed out about money. And it was like, I mean, it was a reality for me at the time. I, I like I literally had like 20 bucks to my name sometimes. And I was living paycheck to paycheck and struggling to make ends meet. And like money was a very heavy reality for me at the time. And I remember this coach said to me, he's like, he's like, you know, when money is an energy and he's like, when you, when you hold on to it, it like, it stops the flow. You know, if I'm like, I got 20 bucks and I got to really stretch it out and make it last. Like it, it limits the flow of money coming into your life. But if you were to live with the confidence that you could spend freely, and trust that money was going to come from different places in different times, like you would actually enable the flow and more money would start coming into your life. And I'll just say, I, I tested his theory. It's worked very well for me. So to whoever that may serve, that's what I learned there. Um, but this, so letting go is like an energy. It's like, I'm not holding on to anything. It's like, we're all, I was saying this to my wife the other day, we're all just lost in the universe. Like we're all just, you know, we we live these lives and we develop these identities that seem very concrete. And it's like, we're all hanging on to things so tightly and I'm afraid I'm going to lose this. I'm afraid it's all going to fall apart. Like, look, we're going to lose all of it. Like you only got a few more years here and then this is over, right? Like we're going to lose all of it. So you can either live with the reality and the acceptance that we're losing all of it anyway, or you can go through this life process, kicking and screaming and trying to hold on to everything along the way. And, you know, I would say to the degree that you can just flow with life and not cling to anything, life will be amazing. It'll be it'll be the most beautiful, miraculous ride you've ever had. And then you'll just gently let it go when it's over and move on to the next step. And if you cling and hold on and the tightness and the I don't know, and I'm afraid and all, if, if you live from that, life is going to fucking suck for you. And excuse my French. I know you guys don't care about my language, but you know, it, like life is going to be tough if you do it that way. So letting go is uh, is a way of being. It's a way of living. I'm not holding on to anything. I'm just I'm just lost in the universe. I'm just endless creative potential, just dreaming and dreaming and dreaming and, and creating and manifesting and living it all out. And then, you know, right? And if you can live your life from that place, then you allow each situation to tell you what's appropriate in that situation in terms of what you do, right? So if you're saying, How do I know when it's time to go? And I I see you made a comment. You're laughing about my response. You know, how do you know when it's time to let go? Well, you know, like most of the time, it's pretty obvious. Like if somebody's, if you're sending four text messages and you get one in response and this is going on for days and days and weeks and weeks, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, I'm just, I'm just losing interest, right? It's not even like, I got to let go, I've got to cut you. You're not showing up the way I need you to and I've got to cut you out of my life, right? It's not like that, it's just kind of like, huh, oh, I'm not really too excited about this person anymore. You know, now that's in the early stages. If you're in more of a of a deeper stage of you know being in a relationship with someone, maybe you've been with someone for several months or several years, and there's a lot showing up in the relationship and you're like, should I walk away from this? Is it the right time for me to walk away from this? We can get a little deeper in that situation. And I think, you know, one, again, as I said, start with the way of being that I'm not holding on to anything. So if the right thing is for me to let this relationship go, I'm hundred percent willing to do it. And then, you know what I, and I'll share about my relationship with my wife, because we've definitely been through some challenges in our in our uh, almost seven years together, right? We've definitely been through some challenges. And like, we were long distance for three years. We were, I mean, my wife went through cancer treatment last year. We've, we had our wedding canceled in the middle of the pandemic and we had to elope. And so, you know, we've been through our share of challenges for sure. And of course, within these challenges, there's always the thought of like, maybe this isn't the right relationship. And so the way I have used to define it for myself is I remember um, when, when we were long distance, I'll, I'll use this example. It's when we were long distance, and I told you my wife like wanted to break up with me a bunch of times and, and she was going through her own stuff and we were really struggling at the time. And um, I, I remember like during that time, I was really strongly considering just like ending it. Like it's just really hard. It's, you know, it's exhausting. She doesn't even seem like she's happy. Like maybe I should just call the whole thing off. And the reason I chose not to was because despite all of the challenges we were having and despite all of the anxiety it was causing me and all of the stress and all of this, I acknowledged that, you know what? She booked 10 days out of her calendar and booked plane tickets and everything else to come be with me for 10 days a month. So as hard as it was and as much as it sucked and as uncertain as it was. And, you know, when we would be apart for two weeks, we would think we were going to break up and all this stuff. But despite all of that, I acknowledged, you know what? She blocks 10 days out of her life every month to come be with me. And she books plane tickets and like that shows dedication. And so even though it was hard, I could see that she was just as dedicated as I was. And that's why I stayed. So I would I would look for that. You know, if you're wondering, should I let go? You know, all relationships are going to have challenges. All relationships are going to have trouble. The ego is always going to tell you, and actually, if we're talking about the special relationship versus the holy relationship here, this is a great point to bring up. The ego is always going to tell you when a relationship is challenging. To go find someone else, it'll be easier with someone else. The ego is always going to tell you that. So the thing to look for is, is this person showing up with the same level of dedication and commitment that I am? And if they are, then you know what? Let me stick this out because that's probably worth something holding on to. No, no, it's probably something worth holding on to right? That, that I think is really like the, if, if you're wondering, that I think is the, is the sign. So I uh, hope I answered that question um, for you. And, and I hope that makes sense. Uh, sending love. Okay. I got a bunch, bunch of questions coming in now. Um, okay. This is a good question. How do you balance missing them and letting go? This is a great question because I want to address this. And, you know, I'm speaking in absolutes here, right? I'm speaking specialness versus holiness, ego entanglement versus holy relationship, being needy and clingy versus being whole and complete. And I'm speaking in a lot of absolutes. But the truth is, is human beings are not absolute. We all find ourselves somewhere in the middle of these absolutes. And that's what makes it challenging, right? If it was all one or the other, it'd be really easy. But the challenge is that we're navigating kind of the gray area in between these absolutes. And so how do you balance missing them and letting go? Well, if you're letting go, I assume that you've come to a place where you've gotten clear that this relationship is not the right thing for you and you're choosing to let it go. And then what comes with letting go is the missing them. Now, well, I'm I'm just going to keep it simple here. I don't want to get off on too many tangents. So let me just say this. You're going to have the emotional experience of loss, of grieving, of sadness, of heartbreak. That's normal, okay? You can't really, you can't really, be human and not experience that aspect of being human. It's part of the game. It's part of the journey, right? So you're going to experience the emotions around it. And just because you're not needy or clingy or desperately holding on to something doesn't mean that you're not going to have any emotion about it. Like you, I mean, just in reality, you will. You will have emotion around it. You will have fear. You will have sadness. It's, you know, when you when you let someone go, it's like, I know this is the right thing for me. I know they're not the one for me. I know I have to let them go to find my partner. And then on the other side of that comes up the fear. Am I going to be alone forever? Am I ever going to find my partner? Or it was so much easier when I was with them. Why couldn't I just stay with them? And on and on and on. So you're going to experience the emotion around it. And what's important is to know how to be with your uncomfortable emotions. You see what most of us do, or I should say what happens for most of us is when we experience an uncomfortable emotion, our ego becomes highly activated and we try to avoid that emotion. We try to escape the emotion because our ego is all activated. And it's like, ah, I don't like this, do this, do that, do the other thing. It's just anything to escape the emotion. And so, When we're being run by the ego and we're in the escaping the emotion, that's when we call our ex back and say, I think I made a mistake, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's when we do all that stuff. But if we learn how to be with uncomfortable emotion in a healthy way, it doesn't drive us into irresponsible action. Okay, so if if you broke up with someone because maybe they weren't treating you with love and kindness and respect, or maybe they weren't showing up with or to the relationship with the same kind of dedication and commitment that you were showing up with, and you know it could be any number of these things. But if you're if you're cutting it off with someone because of any of these reasons, and you're now experiencing the loss and the grief, well, what you want to do is really just be present to what you're feeling know how to nurture and love yourself through what you're feeling. You know, uh, have positive outlets, whether that's good friends and family to be around, whether that's inspirational material, whether that's a coach or a therapist, or, you know, I mean, there are lots of positive things, whether that's taking a self-care day, going for a walk on the beach, getting a massage, you know, praying, meditating, crying, all of these things, right? But just really being with the emotion loving yourself through it, feeling it fully, feeling it completely, feeling it deeply, rather than trying to escape it, you're gonna process the grief, you're gonna process the emotion, the feeling of missing them or wanting them or needing them will little by little just kind of fade away. And going back to what I said earlier, if uh, those of you who are with me when I, when I started this morning, um, I was talking about how when you're single or when you're dating or when you're moving in and out of relationships, your work is to strengthen your ability to stand on your own two feet, right? To, to, to strengthen the, the ability to not need somebody so much. And if you're in that phase and you're learning that, then doing what I'm suggesting here about being with the emotion loving and nurturing yourself and being present to what you're going through and honoring that and and having a kindness and a compassion towards yourself in that, that actually is you learning to stand on your own two feet. Because you see, it's like, if this person left and now I'm experiencing pain and my ego wants me to reach out to them to make the pain go away, well, what that's actually doing is it's reinforcing my egoic identity. It's reinforcing the part of me that feels like I'm not enough, the part of me that needs others or clings to others or clings to outside things for validation. But my ability to be with and nurture myself through that is me strengthening the ability to stand on my own two feet. And so the next time I go into a relationship with someone, I go into it with a very, not just a conceptual thought, and and I'll, I'll just say this quickly, is. A lot of us think we know things because we've heard them and we have the conceptual knowledge about it, but we have no living experience of it. And so you having a bunch of ideas doesn't really do you any good until you've learned how to embody those ideas experientially. But when you do what I'm talking about here, you show up to the next relationship, not just with a concept of, I'm complete, I don't need anything to complete me, but you show up with the living embodied experience of it. I've been through that. I cut the relationship off. I grieved the relationship. I nurtured myself through that grief. I loved myself through that grief. And now I'm showing up to a new relationship, knowing for certain that if I have to let it go, I can do that again. I can love and nurture myself through that grief again. So that's how that works. Um, so yeah you know, to, to go back to the question and answering is love nurture yourself through the grief, right? You're letting go. You've made the decision to let go. Now you're going through the emotional process of letting go love and nurture yourself through that process for as long as it takes. And grief doesn't make sense. You know, you might be not able to get out of bed for two weeks, and then feel great for 2 weeks and then you get hit by another wave of it and it comes all over again you know uh, our emotions are not logical our our conscious mind expects things to happen in a logical way but emotionality is not logical it's a it's a living breathing thing and it happens the way it happens and you know so many of us want to control our emotions but you don't really want to control your emotions. You want to learn how to be present to them. You want to learn how to let them move through you with grace. I think that's a good way to put it. Let them move through you with grace, right? So uh, great question. Thanks so much for asking that. Um, all right. I'm going to try to get to as many as I can here. Let me see. What else do we got? Uh, Let me see, I'm just gonna scroll here for a minute. Okay, good question. How much does the physical look factor matter in relationships? How do I wanna answer this? Okay, how much does the physical look factor matter in relationships? Great question. Because it is very real, right? And I mean, So first, I'm going to give my simple advice about this, and then I'm going to go into more theoretical stuff about it, okay? So my, my advice is to not really give the physical aspect of things too much thought or attention. And the reason is, I mean, if you see someone who, in your opinion... Which is not the truth, by the way. And that's, that's an important distinction, but that's a whole other conversation. But if you see someone who, in your opinion, is god awful ugly, you're not going to have any desire to touch them, to connect with them, to get close to them. You're just not going to desire that. And you can try to force yourself to do it because you think, Oh, well, they're a good person. I should try, but you're not going to feel good. You're not going to want it. It's not going to, it's not going to work for you. Okay. So, so the physical look factor, I mean, one, just, just date people you're attracted to. I, I, so that's what, that's what I would start with is just date people you're attracted to and that's going to that's gonna solve a lot of it. But then there is, there, there are some deeper aspects to this that I want to speak into as well. The, the first thing I want to say is that you may be attracted to a certain look or a certain type that egoically you've been programmed to seek out, but that is not actually reflective of what you truly desire. And and I'll share this about my wife, and my wife and I have often shared this when we've talked, is like we were not each other's type. I mean, you know, if we, if we had sat down and made a list of physical qualities that we were looking for, myself and my wife were not that. But when we met, there was kind of a magnetic, electric attraction between us. And it was very physical. I mean, you know, we didn't get out of bed for the first couple of months of dating each other, okay? So like, there was a very strong, physical attraction between us. But, That physical attraction that we were experiencing contrasted with our egoic ideas about how it was supposed to look. And so that's what we had to, that's what we had to work through. Now, I want to say that, what was I going to say? When we met, it's not that we weren't attracted to each other. And I think that's the thing, like if you're not attracted to someone, you're not attracted to them and you can't really make yourself be just because theoretically they're a good person, right? So we were attracted to each other and we had some mental energy, some some stuff going on in our mind about, well, it doesn't look the way I thought it would. I thought my person would look like this. I thought they would be this way. I thought they'd be that way, right? So, and both of us in our own way had to kind of work that out and come to terms with that. And we did. And and it wasn't really that difficult for either of us. I I think we we were both excited enough about the relationship that it was pretty easy to let go of that, but that did come up for us. And so what I want you to pay attention to with this question is, is it actually that you're not attracted to someone? Like, do you not have the desire to touch them, to get close to them, to make love with them, to, you know, do you not have a desire for any of that? Or is the desire there and you just have some beliefs that are in conflict with that desire? Because this, it's I love that you asked this question because I was actually just listening to a talk this morning and and he addressed this. And this the woman was asking the same question. She was asking, um, you know, how... I'm not attracted to my partner and I want to be and, and, you know, what can I do about that? And what the coach was actually saying in this interaction was he was saying, if you have the relationship you want to have and you're really happy in the relationship, but you're viewing it through a belief system that it doesn't look the way you think it's supposed to, well, then you've got to understand what this relationship is reflecting back to you is that you don't feel that you look the way you're supposed to. And you're taking that subconscious projection and putting it onto your partner. And as long as that is there, as long as this, I'll call it a judgment, about yourself is there, about I don't look the way I'm supposed to, there's something wrong with the way I look, Maybe I'm too fat or too thin or too tall or too short or my hair's the wrong color or my skin is too wrinkly or whatever. As long as you have a judgment about yourself that you don't look the way you're supposed to, that's gonna be projected into your relationships as I find people that are really attractive who don't want me and I think that's the person I'm supposed to be with and the people who do want me I don't find them attractive because they want me, and there's something that's not right about me. And so, how could how could I want them? And I hope I'm saying this correctly. If if this makes sense, tap that heart a few times. I want to make sure that I want to make sure it's making sense, right? But it's like, so if I feel that there is something wrong with the way I look then what i'm going to do is i'm going to identify people who don't want to be with me and I, and i'm going to say oh well they are they are the kind of person i'm looking for they are the kind of person i'm attracted to because because they don't want me and that validates how i feel about myself that validates this feeling that there's something wrong with me and then when somebody does when somebody does want me well i feel i'm not looking the way I'm supposed to. And so if they want me, there must be something wrong with them. And so I'm going to project that, and I'm going to experience that as though there's something wrong with the way they look. So I hope that makes sense. And so just to come come back to the question, is physical attraction important? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if this works out, you're going to be sleeping in bed with this person every night. You, you want to be attracted to them. But, and this is the big but, is physical attraction is not what we think it is. Physical attraction is not the concept in our mind of how we imagine this person should look in the, you know, the Ryan Gosling look or the, I don't know, what's what's a, Beautiful woman, the the Beyonce look or whatever. I don't know. I don't know, right? But like you know, the the um, it's not the image that I have in my mind of how it's supposed to look. It is the experience that I have when I'm with this person, of wanting to get close to them, of wanting to touch them, of wanting to have them touch me, of wanting to share that kind of space with them, and that experience can and will often happen with people who don't look the way you thought they should but if you're holding on to a belief system about how they're supposed to look you're not going to be able to receive that relationship because you're going to have a barrier to it in your mind in your belief systems and that's again rooted in your own beliefs about yourself and you can't fundamentally if we if we break it down to what it fundamentally is it's a barrier that the ego puts up to love because it doesn't believe that you're worthy of it. Just very simply put, it's a it's a mental gymnastics kind of game that the ego is doing to create barriers to love because it doesn't believe that you are worthy of it. It's really what it comes down to. So great question. Uh, love that question. Thanks for asking. Um, Okay, so I'm just going to look through here, uh, try, to find, try to find one or two more questions here. Um, Michelle Dawn has a question. She says, what if you're at a place where you're more happy on your own? What if you are finding a lack of interest in finding someone, even though deep inside you do? Okay, this is a good question. Well, Michelle, I want to say it sounds like you're in a good place. you know, the, um, the ego will tell you there is something wrong with that. And that is that is the fear-based self. Because the fear-based self is is, it doesn't believe that it's going to happen without you being in control of it. And so when you're saying, you're saying deep inside, I know I have this desire for partnership, but at the same time, I'm also very happy with where I am in my life and I don't feel this strong need to go out and make it happen. Well, it sounds like you're in a great place. Sounds like you're exactly where you should be, but now the work for you is trusting that who you are is enough to bring this person into your life without you running around like a crazy person trying to meet someone. And the ego will tell you, no, no, no. you got to be on the dating apps. You've got to go on three dates a week. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. you got to, the ego thinks it has to be hard. It has to be a lot of work. You have to be in control of it. You have to micromanage it. You have to like the ego. I mean, that's how the ego operates with everything, Right. It operates in fear. It feels like the rug is going to be pulled out from under you at any moment, and you've got to really tightly control all of this to make sure nothing goes wrong. That's, that's how the ego re- relates with everything. But that's not, that's not the way the universe works. It's not the way love works. Now, what I would say is you also can't just sit home on your couch you know, eating bonbons and watching Netflix. I'm not saying you're doing that, Michelle, but just in general, right? You can't just sit home on your couch, eating bonbons, watching Netflix and thinking this person is going to come knock on your door. So you don't want to be out there trying to make a relationship happen. That's anxiety and that's stress and that's control and that's pressure and that's manipulation. That's all the stuff we don't want. But what you want to do is be passionately engaged in life. Excuse me. Be passionately engaged in life in a way where you are in relationship with lots of people, where you are having the opportunity to meet lots of people, where you are doing things that you love where you have lots of friends to see or you get invited to lots of things or you have you, you know like you want to you want to be living your life in a way where there's a lot of opportunity there but it's very different it's not like i need to meet someone so i'm going to go on 3 dates a week and make sure i find my person it's not like that it's like i'm living my life to the fullest I'm expressing the fullest. I'm, I'm, you know, doing things I love. I'm in environments I love. I'm around people I love. There's a lot of energy in my life. There's a lot of passion in my life. So just as a result of all of that, there's also a lot of opportunity to find love. Now it might take some time. It doesn't mean the person's going to show up right now, but if you're happy, that's okay. Right. If you're happy and you're content and you're at ease and like, it's okay. So you don't need it to be more than what it is. You can patiently wait for that person to show up when they do in the divine timing that they show up. And you can wait. Why? Because you're happy. Because you're not needing. You're not clinging. You're not desperate. You're not wishing for something you don't have. You're happy, you're content, you feel good, you're living an amazing life. And at the same time, you are an open invitation for this person to come into your life in the right time, in the right place, in the right situation. No need to rush it. No need to insist on it. No need to get all upset or get all in a, you know, whatever if it doesn't show up today or if you went on a date last night and it wasn't what you thought it was going to be, you know, you don't need to get all upset about it because you're not in any rush. You're not in any hurry. You're waiting for the divine timing of it all. So, I mean, Michelle, going back to the question, sounds like you're in a great place. Sounds like you're doing all the right things. I think the only maybe a little bit of work for you there is to let go of the fear That because you're not all needing it and forcing it and pushing it, that it's not going to happen, right? Because that, that in itself can become a barrier to love. If I believe that I need to be that way for it to happen and I'm not being that way, then that translates to, it's not going to happen. So, so letting go of that belief, that fear and trusting that like, look, I mean, my wife and I, we've said this for years that. That dream you have in your heart, there is somebody out there who has that dream. That vision for a life that you want to create, like there is somebody in the world who has that vision. They share that, like, that's not your vision. That is a shared vision. And just like you're dreaming about it, that person is also dreaming about it. And the universe is intelligent enough to get you two together. You don't have to handle that. The universe can handle that. What you want to do is make sure that you are living the most extraordinary life you could possibly be living. So that when that person shows up, you're ready for them. And that's it. That's all there is to it. All right. So I'm going to close out with that. We had a lot of great questions today. Thank you so much, everybody, for being on here. Uh, It was a great episode. I really loved everything we talked about. Loved the questions that came in. Um, Really awesome today. Um, I do just want to say, uh, again, I've said it a few times today, but I just want to give one more shout out. We have four more days to book your call for Inspired Love, okay? Uh, Last day to book your call is February 10th. So, um, four more days to book your call for inspired love. If you've been thinking about it, if you've been on the fence, go book your call. Let's, let's, let's talk. Let's make it happen. Um, last thing I want to say is my workshop tomorrow night. I would really, really love it if a bunch of you showed up. Um, it's only 35 bucks. So, you know, it's, it's not expensive. It's, it's affordable to get in there, but, uh, But I just, you know, I would love it if you'd show up there. We're going to have a really amazing conversation. We're going to have the opportunity for some live coaching. You can chat with me face to face and get live coaching on your stuff, whatever you're going through. So yeah, I'd really, really love it if you went and signed up for the workshop. Um, You can book your call for Inspired Love and uh, book your ticket for the workshop. Both are available at the link in my bio. So um, I'll just leave it at that. And uh, yeah, sending so much love to all of you. Thanks for being on with me today. Much love, many blessings. We'll be back here next week, all right? Sending love, everybody. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Bye. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.